Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Wouldn't it be cool if there was a Netflix for finance? Well, there is. It's called Real Vision, and it gives you unprecedented access to some of the most respected names in finance. Watch interviews with legends like Kyle Bass, Jeff Gunlock, Stanley Drunkenmiller, and many, many more. If you want to be part of the Real Vision revolution, visit realvision.com slash WSO. Hey, everyone. This is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. I'm your host, Alex Grodnick. It's bonus episode day where we talk with another cool podcaster. Today, we're talking about how to make money on the side through real estate investing. Mark lays out what seems like a very straightforward investing model, which he left banking to pursue. Before Mark tells you how to buy very inexpensive raw land and make an income stream out of it, let me tell you, check out the Wall Street Oasis career guides that cover how to break into investment banking, private equity, and hedge funds. Check them out on the site. Okay, Mark, welcome to the podcast. Alex, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Cool. You've got another podcast. You're a professional podcaster. You've got the art of passive income and you're a real estate guy. So we haven't done a lot of real estate talk on this podcast, so I'm excited to get into it with you. Yeah, no, you know, what's interesting is, is my background is actually um, in investment banking. And um, so, you know, it's, it's interesting that um, I kind of went full circle here. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to hear the background because a lot of our audience wants to do investment banking or is doing investment banking. So let's hop into it. Tell us about your banking days. So I was a very unhappy, pretty miserable investment banker. Um, I had a 45-minute commute to work and back. Uh, it was high pressure. It was long hours. And I was micromanaged. It, was, it, was, it got so bad for me, Alex, that I wouldn't get the Sunday blues, anticipating Monday coming around. I'd get the Friday blues, anticipating the weekend going by really fast. And, <laughs> and then have you be back at work on Monday. So my firm hires this guy and he's telling me that on the side, he's going to tax deed auctions and he's buying up raw land, pennies on the dollar, and he's flipping them online and he's making an average return of 300%. Well, I'm looking at companies all day long, and a great company, a great company has 15% EBITDA margins or free cash flow. Great company. Your average company is a 10%, and I'm looking at companies all day long, less than 10%. So, of course, I don't believe him. And I've got $3,000 saved up for car repairs. I go to this you know, auction in New Mexico. I do exactly what he tells me to do. I buy up 10 half-acre parcels at an average price. Of three hundred dollars each, I put them online. They all sell for an average price of over twelve hundred dollars, three hundred percent. It worked. So I took all that money, and I went to another taxi auction where I live in Arizona. There's no one in the room. This is two thousand. I'm buying up lots and acreage for like nothing. And over the next six months, I sold all of that property. I made over ninety two thousand dollars. 
So I said to my wife, I'm like, honey, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to invest in land full time. And she's pregnant at the time. She says, absolutely not. So I said, okay, fine. So I did it part time for about 18 months until the land investing income exceeded the investment banking income. And then I quit and I've been doing it full time ever since. Wow. I love that story. It's something really relatable because people are working in investment banking. I know it's like so encompassing that it's sometimes hard to have a side gig. So how'd you manage both? I got up really, really early and I'd go to bed really, really late. Um, and then, you know, during the day I would kind of, you know, sneak here and there. Um, yeah, a little double so dipping. That, double dipping. So that, that was the strategy. And, um, you know, it's, it was just one of those things where I also caught the wave at the right time because from 2001 to 2008, you know, any, anyone could have made money in real estate too. Yeah. Is it, is it different today? Do these land deed auctions not exist anymore? Or that, I mean, you definitely cannot buy land for $300, right? Oh, absolutely. You can. So, oh, you, you um, can. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So the 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 way that I do it now is a little bit differently than when I started. So I don't want I want to avoid the auction. So Alex, you live in Utah, right? Uh, I live in Los Angeles. I was I grew up in Park City, though. Yeah. Oh, you okay? So you live in L.A. So let's assume that I go to the county treasurer in Texas, and I say, "Oh, Alex Gradnick owes two hundred dollars in back taxes on this twenty acre parcel in rural Texas." Well, by getting that information, it tells me two things. Number one. You have no emotional attachment to that raw land, right? Um, you live in LA, mm-hmm. properties in Texas. Number two, you're distressed in some way because when we don't value something, we don't pay for it and you owe back taxes. So maybe you just lost your job. Maybe you don't care about the property anymore. There's, there's something going on. Maybe you inherited it. You don't know what to do with it. So what I'll do then is I'll look at the comparable sales for the last 12 to 18 months. And let's say in this example, it's $10,000. Well, all I'll do is divide by four. And that gets me what Warren Buffett would call a 300% margin of safety. So the most I'm going to pay for that property from you, Alex, is $2,500. So I send you an actual offer of $2,500. Now, the reality is 3 to 5% of people accept this quote-unquote top dollar offer. And then once you accept the offer, I go through a number of, of a big checklist of due diligence. You know, do you still own the property? Are the back taxes only $200? Is there legal access with the property? Is are there any breaks in the chain of title? And so I go through this entire checklist and then everything, you know, let's say in our example, checks out. And, and then I buy the property from you for, let's say $2,500. Well, then I have a built-in best buyer. Do you know who that is? No, who's the buyer? The neighbors, the neighbors. Okay. Okay. So I send out neighbor letters and saying, hey, look, before I go to the open market, here's your opportunity to protect your view, protect your privacy, expand your holdings. And oftentimes the neighbors will just go ahead and buy that property for, you know, let's say ten to $15,000. Now, what I want to do then is I want to make it irresistible and I want to make it a car payment. So what I'll do is I'll say the property is, let's say, $15,000. So I'll do $2,500 a month down payment. And then I'll get my money out on the down, or let's say within six months of the down, and then I'll just make it a car payment. Let's say four forty nine a month, um, for, you know, I don't know, um, 
60 months, whatever it is, whatever the math works out, out, out at, at 9% interest. And now I've created a passive income stream of $4.49 a month for the next 60 months. And I don't have to worry about renters, rehabs, renovations, or rodents. And because of software today, I've got 90% of this business automated with software. So I only have to work two hours a week in Frontier Properties, the land investing business, to make this work. And then the game that we like to play is, well, how many of these notes can we create? And once our passive income exceeds our fixed expenses, then we're working because we want to, not because we have to. Wow. That seems like a pretty powerful story. I really like that idea. So is the sourcing also automated? So the sourcing is automated in the sense that we upload a list. So in our example, I'd get that list of people that owe raw land in that county in Texas. And then what we'll do is we'll scrub that list and we'll take out all the residential properties, all the commercial property, and we might sort by use code, let's say vacant land. Well, now I've got a nice list of people that own vacant land. And then I'll sort it one more time by acreage because I'm not going to send the person who has five acres the same offer as somebody that has 20 acres, right? Right. So, you know, because the person with 20 acres is going to send me glitter back in the mail. Um, you know, so, um, so we do that and then we upload that into our software and using the API from lob.com, we automate that offer letter going out. And then when it comes back, we use our software to take us through the entire process from due diligence to marketing, uh, to closing. And then we use a program called geekpay.io that automates the note collection from the borrower. So the borrower can log in see their current balance, make a prepayment, um, and then collect the money via ACH. If the ACH fails, we have a credit card on file. So we know for sure we're going to get paid unless they're really broke, right? Yeah. Man, this is funny. You're talking about uh, buying land like you'd buy something from the grocery store. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, absolutely. So, you know, I've done this over 5,200 times, and a lot of people are like, "Well, well, who's buying this land? There is a lust for land in this country. Um, you know, military people love it. Uh, people that uh, are, you know, want to hedge against inflation love it. People that want something somewhere recreational to go um, and play on their land love it. Uh, preppers, right? People that are hoping for the best but preparing for the worst love raw land. And it's, it's one of those things like you don't think about it until you're in it, how many people are excited about owning this real asset. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited about it. Unfortunately, I live, you know, in Los Angeles and there's very, very, very little raw land and the raw land that is there is millions of dollars. Uh, so how do you identify the, you know, the municipalities and stuff where you're going to be doing this? Yeah, so we go to the counties that we know for sure we can do deals. So either I've done deals there in the past my competition has done deals there. Or my students have done deals there. So we know definitively that deals can be done there. Um, you know, and, and oftentimes we only focus on, you know, maybe there's 3,007 U.S. counties. We might have a list of only uh, 150 of them. But still, even 150 counties, there's one county in Texas that has 28,000 tax delinquent parcels. 28,000. I mean, how many can I buy? How many can you buy? So it's essentially, you know, this is why, you know, there's just virtually no competition. I mean, we'll all run out of money before we run out of deal flow. 
Yeah. Wow. And that's why you're happy to freely discuss this. You know, you're not giving away any uh, secrets. There's just so much opportunity in this, in this asset class. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's no private equity groups in there. There's no hedge funds because, you know, essentially raw land doesn't cash flow, right? right. But we make a cash flow. Yeah, that, that's so inter- interesting. And these are, these are small deals, so maybe kind of below the radar of a lot of these institutional investors. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, too much money is actually a problem in this niche as well. They can't deploy it fast enough. So you said you work like something like two hours a week. Is, 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 that, is that really what, you, what you're working? Yeah, because we have a whole team in place. Um, we have virtual assistants in the Philippines. We have the we have an office space in the Philippines. So all all I say, the majority of our due diligence is is outsourced to the Philippines. I have an acquisition manager that runs the business. So I'm just looking at numbers every week. You know, how many offers do we send out? How many deals are pending? How many deals do we close? And how many sales do we make that week? And so as long as the numbers you know remain strong, um, I don't need to get too involved. And essentially, you know, after I have a cup of coffee, um, nobody wants that call from me because I'm going to break something, right? I'm like, well, what if we sell it like this? What if we do this? And then they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've, you've got it automated and you've got to take the emotion out of it, take your hands off of it. So you're just on a beach drinking pina coladas all day. What are you doing? Yeah, so the majority of my time is um, I time theme my week. So Mondays and Fridays, are my days to, um, I call them my terminal days. So I pretend, well, if this is my last day on earth, what, how do I want to spend that time? So usually, you know, I'll meditate in the morning, I'll work out, I might take a bike ride, I'll meet a friend for coffee, or I'll meet my wife for coffee or lunch or a buddy. Um, I'll pick up my kids from school, we'll hang out, we'll have a nice dinner. And, um, and then I might, you know, think about things to work on the business to improve the business. I might read. So, you know, these very fun, simple things that I enjoy doing. And then Tuesday is my podcast day. So I have podcasts lined up, either I'm on podcasts or I, I interview people for my podcast. Wednesday is my meetings day. So I have my team meetings with my team, uh, for the various companies that we have. We have a software company, we have, uh, the investing company, and then we have the education company. So I meet with the key people on our team on Wednesdays and on Thursday are my client calls um, where, you know, I talk to clients and then on Fridays, my terminal day. So it's, a, it's pretty much a in the business three days a week and on the business two days a week. And what's going to happen if I die in those two days? <laughs> I love it. So Mark, a lot of people who are kind of entrepreneurial minded, definitely like yourself, don't really do well in investment banking. So were you a good banker? I was good. I wasn't great. Um, I didn't enjoy it, actually. Uh, me, you know, I, you know what I enjoyed? I enjoyed the ego piece of it. I enjoyed telling people I was yeah. an investment banker. The actual work itself, um, after a while, I did not find intellectually uh, stimulating. And was there something about being told what to do and having a very structured job that just wasn't right for you? Yeah. I mean, after you look at your thousandth company in the financials, um, it's, it was just too, it, it just wasn't that interesting. Right. That makes sense. Uh, so tell us, is this, is this the rest of your life now? You've got this, this, the, your weeks planned out. I mean, where does it go from here? Yeah. So I just finished my first book, uh, titled Dirt Rich, which I'm excited to, to launch in the next few weeks. 
And then I'm writing my second book, um, which will be out in the summer. So I'm kind of, you know, working on that angle as well. And, and uh, so, you know, just these sort of fun projects. Um, we have a, a fund. So I'm managing a fund now. And that's, you know, really interesting to do as well. And, um, you know, so it's just sort of, you know, daily Kaizen, you know, just continuous improvement on, on what I'm working on. Yeah, I tell everybody I'm a, I'm an inch wide and, and a mile deep, and um, and just you know doing the things that that bring me joy and bring other people joy. Yeah, I love it, and I would love. To, is there a place where people can find out more about how to do this real estate investing? I mean, you made it sound so so simple. It's obviously not quite that simple. But where can people find out more about that, I, including myself? Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely a simple model, but it's not easy. Just like anything. Right. Yeah. There's no um, way to, there's the no easy way to make money. There's, I wish there were, <laughs> there just isn't. Um, so the best place I think to start is the landgeek.com. The landgeek.com. They can download for free our passive income blueprint. They can get our ebook, how to avoid the three fatal land buying mistakes. And then they can start getting our podcast delivered each week to their email inbox. And then, Alex, if they want, they can email support at the landgeek.com with the subject line, Alex, or Wall Street Oasis. We'll mm-hmm. send them for free our $97 passive income launch kit. Cool. I like that. That's, uh, that sounds great. I hope people take you up on that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take you up on that. <laughs> All right, good. Okay. Well, Mark, this was, this was a lot of fun talking with you. Thanks so much for doing it. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate it. Okay. Talk to you later. Okay, thanks. And thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Let me know what you think. Leave us some reviews on iTunes or email me, alex at wallstreetoasis.com. Be back in a week. Thanks.